Uh, so we're back. We're going to be back in Matthew this morning. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't have any uh, long-term plan as far as how long we're going to stay in Matthew, if any of you are wondering. I'm kind of just listening to the Holy Spirit right now on this and what the Lord would have us do. And, and I've kind of got some other things in my mind, too, of things that I want to preach. So uh, we'll see. But we're in Matthew 10 right now, this morning. Uh, This is going to be a challenge too this morning for me, maybe for you as well. Me as far as not going too long, okay, take note of when I'm starting, Uh, because there's a ton of discourse in this chapter from Jesus. It's not like just events of what, there's a ton of just what he's saying, and so then, you know, there's this inclination to spend more time really digging into that, so I've got to, I've got to be careful, and hopefully, you know, you're going to be able to stay awake. Uh, it's okay to laugh sometimes, guys, okay, in church. It's okay. It's okay. I know, I know in, in Mennonite cultures, and I was laughing, it's like, do we do that? It's okay. I'm going <laughs> to, here's a weird segue. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to, this is what I have to start with. So I've been, I've been watching and captivated by this 9-11 documentary. <laughs> Jess is chuckling. This 9-11 documentary on, on uh, Disney Plus, if any of you have Disney Plus, there's this National Geographic documentary, it's like a six-part series on 9-11, and I, there's something about, maybe because of my age, and I remember right exactly where I was that morning when that happened, and so like 9-11 stuff, like I just, I eat that stuff up as far as just watching and reading and that sort of stuff. So I'm watching this documentary, it is probably the best one I've ever seen as far as just breadth of what they're covering. Uh, and they're going kind of systematically through that day, what happened. And, and so there's the story of this man who is part of, I don't know what firm, but he worked there in the 81st floor of the South Tower. And, and that was the part of the South Tower that uh, was, was almost directly hit by the one airliner. And he tells this, this crazy account of how they had actually at one point, him and some of his colleagues had thought about leaving the South Tower because they were the second one hit. But then they had gone up. There was kind of this peer pressure like, no, the South Tower will be fine. We have nothing to worry about. So they went back up. And, and within minutes of them going back up, there's this jet. And he says like within seconds, he's seeing it get closer and closer and closer. His office was all glass encased. And so he's seeing this jet fly at them like staggering, right? And so then... He says at the last moment, all he could do is dive under his desk as, as he sees this plane coming closer and closer to the building. And miraculously, he wasn't killed. He is one of those, he's just one of those that like, how did he survive this? It, it's, it's a miracle. But, but he was trapped and he's, he's explaining it in the, in, the, in the documentary. And it's kind of hard to kind of understand it all. There's, 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 as far as, like, you know, I was trying to picture in my mind, right, like, like, how did that look for him? But he's trapped up against this wall after with all this debris, fire going on, electrical stuff, electric, like, the danger of being electrocuted. And, and he happened to be heard by another man who was making his way down from another floor and had miraculously survived. And so he heard him, and they helped one another. They reached one another, and then he helped him over the wall. And the first thing he said to this other man when, when he sees him face to face is, he says, hallelujah, I've been saved. One thing I've got to know, do you know Jesus Christ? 
That's the first thing. And, and this, so they're both telling the story. Both these guys in the documentary are telling the story. And the guy that he's, who hears this question, he says in the, in the video, he says, it was a very strange thing at the time to hear. He says, I wasn't ready for a philosophical discussion. And so he said, I stammered out. And this is what, this is what caught my mind, what caught my attention. He says, I, I stammered out a rather pathetic reply. I go to church every Sunday. I'm like, hold on. So I'm like, I'm, I'm watching. I'm like, hold on. You go to church every Sunday, but you're not ready to have what you term a philosophical discussion about Jesus Christ? It, and it, it's an amazing story. But I was struck that in that kind of moment of like just catastrophic terror, that at the forefront of the one man's mind was this question, do you know Jesus? How could that not be the pertinent question in that situation? How could that simply be chalked up to a philosophical discussion? And, and so I want to, I'm, I'm asking that in light of Matthew 10, as we're going to get into Matthew 10, because I think it, what we're going to hear in this chapter, what we see Jesus saying and hearing him saying, it's, I approach a chapter like this, honestly, with a bit of trepidation. Because I'm preparing this, I'm going, um, this can make us feel uncomfortable. I, I am uncomfortable with this chapter. I am uncomfortable getting into this chapter. Um, because if we don't skim over these words, if we really read these words, if we're really looking at Matthew 10, they're going to apprehend us with some pretty serious questions about following Jesus that I, I don't know how you ignore. So here's, here's my title. And I, <laughs> I, uh, there's a f- I, I like to pick titles sometimes, like... Uh, what did the pigs do to you? Remember that one? I like to pick some titles that might, if I can pick a title that will shock you a little bit, I'm okay with that. Um, not because, because it, it gets our attention, right? We want stuff that gets our attention. So I, there was a couple different titles I had for this morning that I, that I was, um, that I was kind of, in my brain, I was, I was thinking through, and I was like, one, one was uh, simply, you will be hated by everyone. No? Crickets. Don't like that title? It's not the title. This, the, oh, okay, yeah. The title this morning is really simple. It's one word. Go. Go. With an exclamation point. So if that's important. Go. The, the, the reason I'm doing this is that this, this chapter is not apathetic faith. Okay, the, this, this chapter is not compartmentalized faith. This is not, oh, I have a, I, I'll have a philosophical discussion about Jesus. It's not that. Uh, this is not typical, comfortable, affluent, first world Christian culture kind of stuff. It's not. We'll just, we'll see the words. And this, is, and this is the thing. If it makes us uncomfortable, if I'm uncomfortable with it, and I, I am, we've got to know the word, though, folks. 
You need to know the word, and my conviction is I have to preach the word. That's my conviction. So, uh, this chapter goes, I, I would say this. This chapter I would put alongside Jesus' commission at the end of Matthew. I think, I think this fits almost perfectly with when he says, go into the world and make disciples. This, this is the outworking of when he was sending his disciples out, this is what he was flushing out for them. So we get that little snippet at the end of Matthew's gospel. This, this is commissioning for, for us. Uh, and it's also connected to the last part of Matthew 9 there that we, we kind of briefly touched on there a couple of weeks ago. And that is, I'm gonna, it's going to be up there behind me now. You can look at that, Matthew 9, 35 to 38. But that's where Jesus talks about the harvest, right? It's pl- the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. Ask the Lord to send workers for the harvest. It says there that Jesus, when he looked on the crowds, when he looked on the people, he had compassion for them. You know that word there, it's not like, it, it means that he was ripped, he was moved to his guts. That, that's, that's the extent that how moved Jesus was. He saw the need of the people. He was re- it was wrenching for him. And verse 38 there, you know, it calls us to pray, right? He says, pray. Ask the Lord to send workers into the harvest. And, and here's the thing about this, I think that we have to ask ourselves, do we even care about those opportunities? Do we care? Do we care that Jesus says there is people all around that are waiting? Do we care? Do we even see the opportunities And maybe, so perhaps it is about prayer, right? Perhaps it's about asking God to send us, asking God to change our hearts, asking God to help us see, to show us. I think think it's that. But it's not only about prayer, right? Because prayer can serve as a nice, easy avoidance. I'll I'll just pray, right? There's a bit of like an avoidance that can happen with that. We'll just pray, Lord, send someone else. So it's not just that, right? Because Jesus says workers are needed and then what does he do? Who does he send out? Right, right in chapter 10, who does he send out? The disciples. That's the very next transition. Then he's sending out his followers. And so, our, you know, the question that maybe, and this is, again, this is where it can get uncomfortable, are we motivated to mission when we see the state of people around us? How life is grinding people down, how pe- people are simply, they're so busy, pace of life is killing them, they're deceived by all manner of different ideologies in this world, etc., etc., etc. And if we're not motivated to mission by that with people, why not? Or, or is it because we are actually living similar lives? We're, we're, we're actually, we're too self-absorbed. We're actually unwilling to sacrifice. We feel powerless. We don't know what to do. Are, are we simply too busy for mission? So John Mark Comer, 
He wrote this book called Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Um, and he, he speaks of, in there of busyness or hurry as a form, he says, of violence against our souls. And he says this, We hear the refrain, I'm great, just busy. So often we assume pathological busyness is okay. After all, everybody else is busy too. But what if busyness isn't healthy? What if it's an airborne contagion wreaking havoc on our collective soul? So, Jesus says this stuff at the end of Matthew 9, and he sends out the disciples. So this, in this, what we're meant to see is, this is us being sent. This is the sending that Jesus does with his people. To ignore the call, for Jesus to say, the harvest is great, workers are needed, people are desperate, go. And then we're like, oh, not me. How? how? How do we ignore that call? So the call to mission for Jesus always, always, always was the growth of the kingdom. And, and so following Jesus is always, 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 following Jesus is in so many different ways is always about furthering the mission. Always. So that's, that's what I want to talk about this morning. I just want to talk about three aspects of this call, if you will. The nature of this call that we see Jesus talk about, the cost that accompanies it, and the promise alongside of it. I want to, I want to also just, just pause here for a second. At the end here, we're going to, we're going to have actually, Trevor and Sheila are going to come up. We're going to, we're going to after we end our live stream, we don't want to do this on camera, but they're going, to, they're going to talk about something that I see is one of those things that on mission, how, how we partner with God's mission in this world. So we'll, I'm, ex, I'm excited for that. Um, so I want, to, I want to, let's start here in Matthew 10. If you, want to, if you want to have your Bibles open or your devices, whatever, if you want to follow along, go ahead. I'm not going to, again, I'm not going to read everything. We're going to have verses on the screen. I mean, there's, Again, this is like, how many verses are here? We're going to look at like 39 verses. We can't, so we got we to gotta be strategic this morning, if you will. But, but there's, so the nature of this call. There, there's this, so Jesus, he, he sends out the disciples. There's this specific call here to go. He's sending them out to, to Israel, to the Jewish people. But, but then Jesus, as we go along, he alludes that this is bigger than just this call to go to Israel. There's sort of a bigger picture here that he expands it. But what we see here is that mission is not solo. The disciples, they're sent out together. Mission is meant to be shared. There is this mutual support from others that happens as we are sent out. And, and think about the team that Jesus is sending out here, right? This is such an eclectic group of personalities, if you will. Like, the, the, those disciples, Matthew, the tax collector, right? We've got Simon the zealot. He's a, he's a, he's a right-wing political zealot, if you will. That there, for, in today. And, and, he's, and he's with a left-leaning tax collector. Those two don't mix well, but they're there. Then you've got John. You've got Peter and his big mouth. 
You've got Judas Iscariot. He's part of the mix. And who knows what's going on in his heart already. This, this is the group that's sent out together. Now, I, I don't know how many of us, how many of you would like off the top know, but like we are part of a group of churches, a wider network of churches called Salt and Light. How many of us know that? Okay, good. So a bunch of us. So one of Salt and Light's, one of our, our main um, sort of values, if you will, together is that we say we are a family of churches together on mission. And, and so I don't know, maybe you don't know, you, maybe you haven't heard that, but that, that is something that at a, at a leadership level at a, and, and, and a leadership based on relationship, that really, that actually does drive a lot of what we try to do together. Now, the last two and a half years has caused a lot of challenges with that, right? Because relationship is connection and all that. But we, we, are, we see it as, as part of the DNA of who we are called to be. And, and I would completely embrace this, that we are called and to be sent out on mission. It is, it is a core foundational value of who we want to be. It is part of our DNA, if you will. And in that, we're all witnesses. So, so how, how is your witness? I was, uh, this was a number of years ago, and I can tell this story now because this person isn't in this church but they were at one point, and they, I was driving in town, and I was at a, I came to a stop sign, and this other person was at the cross, stop sign across from me, and they didn't, they did, their head was turned, they didn't see me in my vehicle, and something had happened, and they were just losing it in their vehicle towards someone else, losing it, and I'm watching this. Now, I have had my own issues so I'm not, I'm not claiming here that I'm like some golden boy behind the wheel. I am not. Um, but this particular circumstance, it was all of a sudden this person then turned and saw me. You know, it's amazing in a second the transformation that can happen with a person as they see me. What's up with me? Why? All of a sudden it was like, whoa. Now, <laughs> there was also... Honestly, a level of like, there was that, oh, he saw me do that kind of thing. So, we've got to deal, we, we, all, we all have sin issues in our lives. You know that? Now, we have to deal with the sin issues in our lives. We, we all have them, we all have to deal with them. Your witness is part of the mission. Pointing others to Jesus is the mission. And how's your witness? Because how can mission, the call to mission, not embody something of Jesus' life in us? How could it not? Pointing people to faith in him, pointing people to repentance, pointing people to restoration, Renewal, healing, all of that. So it speaks of this thing of ongoing mission, right? And Jesus is speaking here of this thing of ongoing mission that he's sending his disciples out on. And he, and he set specific parameters for this mission. He said, look, this, this mission, you're not going into the Gentile areas. You're not going into to the Samaritans. This is specific. This is what you are called 
to do. And there's something there for us too of, okay, what, what, does, what does the Lord have for LCF? What is the specific parameters of the mission that he has set for us? For this year, for two years, for five years, what, where is he wanting to send us? And, and then the question is, are we asking the Lord that? That's, that's the question I'm asking is, are we, are we asking him that? We also see here, he says he, he says that he sends them out, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Supernatural power is part of the mission. That hasn't changed. God wants us to go in the power of his spirit as we are called out on mission in our lives. And, and so, do you know, ask for it. Expect it. Pray for it. Have faith for it etc. God is moving and he is a supernatural God who moves supernaturally in the lives of people. What will it all look like? I don't know. Do you know? No, I don't think so, right? But it's as we are called out, as witnesses for this mission, are we saying, are we asking for the power of the Holy Spirit? to be with us. And Jesus says there, right away, he says, freely you have received, freely give. That, what's he getting at there? The need, he's getting at the need to receive from the Lord. Right, there's, there's that we are open, that we're willing, that we're intentional, that we, you give out of what you have, whatever you have received, whatever that is, that is that, out of that is what you give from. So the question is, what have you received? What have we received from the Lord? What has been given to us? And God says, freely give. Jesus' words here, they also, as he goes on, they raise a lot of provoking questions for our lives. So he says in verse 9, Do not get any gold or silver or copper to take you with, with you in your belts. No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff, for the worker is worth his keep. What, what is our attitude or the expectation, if you will, in our lives when it comes to money, comfort, and prosperity? What, what do you expect So, you know, there, there's, a, there's this notion, right, to, to preach this alongside as something to seek. It's, it's a sign of God's blessing. If you're given prosperity and comfort, it's God has blessed me. But that's, that's, not, what, that's not what this is. This is, are you willing to give up? Are you willing to not have? And, how, and, and what Jesus is asking here is how much does this control or hinder our willingness for mission? No, I, I need this level. I, I, I'm only comfortable with this. I'm not going to go through the verses 11 to 15 here other, other than to say, you know, he's talking here about entering towns and villages and... and um, you know, if you're received, let your peace remain there sort of thing. The point of that 
one of the points of that is some are going to receive the message of the gospel. Others won't. It's a reality. It's a reality as we are, we are out on mission, as we are called to be his witnesses, that there's those who are going to be, they're going to embrace the message, and there's others that are going to be like, I don't want that. And Jesus is like, okay. So be ready for acceptance and be ready for opposition. And, and don't, don't let that reality, that's a reality. There will be acceptance, there'll be opposition. Don't let that reality steal your peace and your joy. Because it can. That the rejection can actually really stifle peace and joy. And Jesus is like, don't let that happen. We see that where in, in Luke 10, 21, it says, I love, there's a little section of the verse there where it says, Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. Jesus rejoiced, not in his circumstances, not in how people were receiving him, not in any of that. Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. So don't allow this to discourage you from the mission that we have. Okay, I want to talk about the cost. The second thing is so we've talked about the nature of this call. Let's talk about the cost of this call. And these, these verses here, verses 16 to 22, they, they expand on the mission. So Jesus has sent out the disciples. He said, this is your specific mission. And now there's kind of a shift where he's, what he's talking about cannot just apply to them. Right? If you look at the text, he's talking about how they're, they're going to be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. So there's, there's something different now. He's expanding the mission and what this is going to be. And this is, this is the reality of the world that we inhabit. There are wolves. He says, verse 16, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. He doesn't say, go out like wolves amongst the wolves. You're not called to be a wolf. We're called to be sheep. And what do sheep have? What do sheep have to have if they're going to survive? They have to have a shepherd. And Jesus, then he, he goes on and he talks, and, he's, and there's this reality here. When you read through the verses, he talks about verse 19, but when they arrest you, well, that doesn't sound fun. Verse 22, you will be hated by everyone. See, there's the title. You will be hated by everyone. That doesn't sound fun. When you are persecuted in one place, well, that doesn't sound fun. This, this is uncomfortable, Right? What, what is Jesus talking about here? Does this, does this not, is this just, this doesn't apply to us. We're in the West. We're, we're comfortable. We're good. We'll send some money. We'll let the others worry about it. This is uncomfortable. Jesus says in John, what does he say at the end when he, he says to the disciples, in this world, you will have trouble. This, and this is not, okay, trouble of, this is not speaking of annoyances in life. Your fridge stops working, your dishwasher stops working, whatever. Your vehicle has issues like mine do. Those are annoyances. That's not trouble. This is on accounts. Clearly this trouble, this stuff is on account of who? It's on account of Jesus. 
Right? This is about when you stand for me, when you are sent out on mission, when you are my witnesses, when as you go, you, this is what's awaiting. Why would I want that? There, there's, you know, there's been in the last two years some really interesting claims by Christians about persecution, right, in the West. I've heard the amount of claims that we are in persecution right now, and I'm like, Really? Like, we read this? I, really? I, I, like, hardship is, hardship is real, yes. It's not necessarily persecution. Now, this is what we need to keep before us. This is about mission and our witness to Jesus. If, if we, this is the thing I wrestle with. If we never experience what these verses are talking of, and it's not like, hey, bring it on, we want this. <laughs> but if we never experience this, do we perhaps, I'm, I'm asking, I'm not accusing, I'm asking, do we need to assess how our witness is? And, and, and okay, and saying all that too, like, I, I absolutely believe things are getting darker in this world. Like, I, I would absolutely ascribe to that, that idea that our world, our nation, everything is getting progressively darker. Where does light shine the brightest? Where is light seen the brightest? And, and I, I am, I'm, I'm very concerned about things that I see in our country. I'm very concerned about where things are going. I'm very concerned about where things are going globally. But remember, this is what we have to always keep before us. Remember that transformation comes not as a result of the change in government regimes, government policy, politics. That does not bring transformation. It is about this. You can have all the political regime change you want. If the hearts of the people are a certain way, guess where that nation is going. So if you want to know where Canada's going, look at the hearts of people. It's not about this guy or that guy. or who. Yes, certain political change can help things. I'm not going to deny that. There's, there's certain things that, that are good to allow for the advancement of God's kingdom and his righteousness even amidst it. There's, that's, that's true. But ultimately, this is about more than that. This is about the hearts of people and our hearts and where we're at. And, and, and yeah, alongside that, I would say, is there a pruning and a winnowing, if you will, happening in the church right now in the West? Yeah, I think there is. I absolutely think there is. I think that, that gray zone is getting, it, there's, there's more black and white happening and hard choices are gonna come. That makes me feel uncomfortable too. What, is, what does Jesus say? He says, betrayal is going to happen. Brother will betray brother to death and a father to his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. Whoa. Whoa. You know, we, we can make, we can have a little bit of a chuckle about, you know, 
sermon titles, but you will be hated by everyone. Do you like that? Do you like that idea that when Jesus says you will be hated by everyone? I don't. That sucks. And that's where you go, like, how will we stand and how will we keep our peace in the midst of undeserved suffering? That's what Jesus speaks of here. What do we do? What did Peter say? I, I'm reminded always, I'm, this, when Peter says, to, when Jesus, when there's a, a bunch of disciples that leave Jesus, and John records this, or a bunch of, they leave, they depart from Jesus, they can't handle what he's saying. And he says, he looks to the disciples, he says, are you guys gonna leave me too? And Peter says, to whom else would we go? That, that's where the church will have to stand. And we're called to be like Jesus, right? Verses 24 and 25 here. The student is not above the teacher. The servant isn't above the master. We're called to be like Jesus. We are called to embody Jesus amidst this. So amidst all this, it's not to rise up and to be wolves and to go, we're going to be like this. We're called to embody Jesus. And what Jesus faced we can expect to face. I want to move on. Um, so verses 26 to 31, it speaks to the temptation to fear. Right? Jesus says, don't be afraid of them. So, so there's this thing of like, there's this thing about we could be fearful now of all this. Like, there, there's this thing of like, will, will we live and operate out of fear in our lives? Or will we operate out of boldness? What is whispered to you, proclaim from the rooftops, Jesus says. So th there's this thing, our need to internalize truth. That, that, that this would become part of the DNA of who we are as his people who we are in Christ, that, that what, what we are told, what, what the Holy Spirit speaks to us, what Jesus is saying to us out of his word, that this would be part of our DNA of who we are and it would embolden us for who we are in Christ. And, and this is, I don't know how to say this or how we, the, the level of importance for us because the stakes are going to be so high in the days to come. I'm not putting a timeline on that. I'm not, I'm, the stakes will be so high for us. There's days of shaking. These are days of deception, increasingly. Do you know who you are called to be in Christ Let's also not miss here what Jesus is saying in verse 29. Talks about the Father's care. The very hairs on your head are counted. Some of us more than others. <laughs> Some of you, that's a past tense. That's okay. You had hair. They were counted. 
the point is that nothing happens outside of God's will. You know, we had friends of ours, they're coming, they landed actually in Winnipeg last night from the UK. We're really pumped to meet them and uh, to see them. They left the UK uh, the other night, doesn't, and they get, they get an hour, yeah, they get an hour, and they're an hour into the air, so they're, they're over the ocean at this point, and all the electricity on their plane goes out. Boom. Toilets don't even work. That's a problem. So the, the plane turns around and goes back to Heathrow, and they land amidst all the emergency vehicles on either side of the runway. Like, talk about, can you imagine? <laughs> yes. Okay, so they, hours later, they get on another plane. And they're flying, like, would you have a little bit of trepidation getting on a plane again after that? Is anything outside of the Father's will? Why would you fear? Is anything outside of the will of the Father? Nothing. Yes, we could be killed. You could be killed for standing for Jesus. It's happened all throughout history. It will happen again, yes. But there is something Jesus says here that is far greater at stake than just someone who can kill your physical body, and that is the one who has power over your soul. And what Jesus says, what's at stake is your soul, and what's at stake is eternity. And he says, yes, there is a hell. It's a reality be aware. Now, I want to I remind us of something in these verses too. I skipped over and I want to go back to it. Matthew 10, 20, where it says there, Jesus says, when, when you, at that time when you are standing before like governors and, or authorities and you don't even know what you're going to say, he says the Spirit will tell you in that time what to speak. Amazing. This, this is the reality. He's speaking of the reality of God's spirit, his presence with you. In the very moments that we're facing all this, God's spirit is with us. He says he's with you. And, and so the reality of the, the presence and the power of the spirit, you cannot, we cannot disregard our crucial need for the pouring out of God's spirit in our lives, and that continual feeling that we need. We need his presence and his power and his spirit with us. Without that, how else will you stand? And the, real, the, the answer is you won't. Without the presence and the power and the reality of the spirit at work in your life, who empowers us for witness? The spirit. Who is given as our helper? The spirit. Who constantly reminds you who you are against all the enemy's lies and deceptions and all that stuff that comes at you in your mind? Who reminds you who you are? God's spirit testifies to our spirit that you are what? God's children. Romans 8. We're his beloved children, actually. All right. Let's end with verses 32 to 39. So, Amidst these hard and these challenging words, there's a promise here, too. There's a promise to those who are willing 
to embrace this call. Two promises, actually. First is, Jesus says in verse 32, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Acknowledgement is powerful. You know, when, when, when you are acknowledged before someone else, like last week when I was at Gateway speaking, I, I, the, the words of acknowledgement and blessing that were spoken over me, that, that's so encouraging. Like it, it, the, the acknowledgement and the affirmation, there's something about that. Acknowledgement it honors us and blesses us, does it not? When, when that happens in your life, do you not go, that, that's a blessing when someone acknowledges me. Think, have you ever thought, Jesus will acknowledge me before the Father? Jesus will acknowledge you before the Father. Whoa! Just, just for a moment, just think about that. You are standing there and Jesus is acknowledging you. Does that not increase your resolve? This is a promise. Amidst everything that's going to happen, anything that could happen, amidst all the trouble, hardship, persecution, the people who hate you because of your witness, but you're going to be acknowledged. It's powerful. And Jesus also promises, whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. In Matthew 16, Jesus also connects this to losing our soul. Meaning that in the pursuit of trying to find life on this earth, we lose the very essence of who we were called to be before the Father. And Jesus warns, he says, you, you gain everything, but you lose your soul. Do you, do you under, he's saying, do you understand the, the, how tragic that is? The, the thing of looking, this is, this is the constant thing, right? All of, we, we, we all feel this from such a young age, looking to all manner of things for our identity, our purpose, our calling. We're always striving. This is what's going to make me someone. Who is the Lord of our life? Are we willing to surrender for Jesus? Because the promise is that in the very letting go, in the very thing of dying to self and allowing Jesus' lordship in our lives, Jesus, you're the boss of my life. I'm not the boss. I want to give you control and I want you to direct and lead and guide me, not me. In that, in the very letting go, Jesus says, that's where you find life. That's the promise. He says, if you lose your life for my sake, that's where you find it. And is that not also the area, the core strategy for deception that Satan operates within? Right there in the lives of people. Did God really say? Does God really care? Yes, he does. 
So alongside this, there's really strong words, right? We're not going to avoid them. Hard to stomach, stuff about people-pleasing, stuff about love, right? A man against his father, a daughter against her mother. Again, it's like, man, Jesus, this is uncomfortable. This is hard stuff. Um, when Jesus says that, he's actually, he's quoting from Micah 7. That's an, and that's an important thing to note here, that he's, he's going back to Old Testament. And because Micah 7 speaks of utter wickedness in Israel, that the, the people were, had turned away from God. And you read this and you go, like I think we read this and we go, really? This very thing is happening right now in Iran. This very thing is happening right now in, in, in Iran. Where people who are not, they, they so desperately want their families to turn to Jesus, but they are not willing to compromise. They are not willing to renounce Jesus, and they are cut off. And some are killed. Some are turned in by their families, and they're executed for this. When the hope and the truth of Jesus comes up against demonic forces of darkness, make no mistake, the message of Jesus is not seen as peace. Right? When he says, I don't, I'm not coming to bring peace but a sword, Jesus' message is not always peace. Jesus' message is seen because it divides. There is a line. This is the line. Will you stand with Jesus? So, now we talk about that, that, that darkness out there. What about when there's darkness inside of us that needs to be apprehended, that needs to be rooted out? When Jesus' message comes against stuff in us, it's not always peace, folks. It's a sword. It's a, you need to decide whether I am Lord and whether you, I'm going to surrender my life to you or whether I'm not going to. And the next verse in Micah that's not included here, the very next verse from what Jesus says is this, but as for me, I watch in hope for the Lord, I wait for God, my Savior, my God will hear me. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? Like that's the promise. And how do we understand this thing of like verse 37, anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. All this stuff, right? Whoever doesn't take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Is there anything more in life that people love more than their family for the most part? Is there, is there anything more that people love more in life than their family? Not, not usually, right? Family is at like the, the top of like, I love my family. We're, we're designed for that. We're designed to love and care and cherish our families. So this, it's the highest form, love for others, love for our families. It's the highest form of human love, if you will. We should love our families deeply, fiercely. Like, like you come against my kids. Honestly, you want to come against my kids? I'm telling you, it's not going to end well. It will not end well. Why, why do we make hard decisions as parents? <laughs> I only hope. <laughs> why do we make hard decisions? Love. 
Love is what drives so much of it. And that's the point here. That love, our love for Jesus, has to go even higher and deeper than that. So think about like all the love that you have for your family. Amazing. Yes, we're designed for that. And Jesus says, you've got to love me even more. That's where he's getting at where in Luke it says, you've got to hate, in order to follow me, you've got to hate your father, you've got to hate your mother, you've got to hate, like, your, what, what do you do with those words? Jesus, you talked about hating your family. No, 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 no. It's that measure, your, your love for your family, as high as your love for your family is, in relation to your love for God, your love for your family actually looks like hate because your love for God is so much higher and greater. So it's not about hate your family. It's, that's how great our love for God is. So it really raises the question. This is the question we have to answer. Is Jesus worth it? But, but that's the question, right, that I, that I, that I come away with from, from here. Is Jesus really worth it? I think some of us, you're, you're, maybe we ask that question in our lives. We wrestle with that question if we're honest. At times we go, is Jesus really worth this? How, how we answer that, that is the question. How we answer that will dictate, if you will, how we respond to this call, this, this mission. If, he's, if Jesus is not worth my life, why would I bother telling others? And the, and the answer is I won't. If, if, I, if I determine in myself, even if, I'm, even if I go to church every Sunday and I sit and I, I play the part and I, I think I'm checking the boxes, but really I've determined Jesus really isn't worth it. You're not going to tell others. Because what we delight in, we will or we do speak of. What you love and you delight in, you speak of. I probably talk about football way too much at times. Because I really enjoy football. It's just something that I really, right? And we all have things that we love and we talk about. So here's, here's I want to leave us with some questions for, for application this morning. You know, and, and I, there's times I struggle um, lately I've sort of like, like, do I leave questions with you? Because I don't, the reason is I don't want to put a box on, on this in a sense of, I want us, all of us to be listening to the Holy Spirit as we're going through the word and as we're processing this and we're going, that, that we're listening. Okay, Holy Spirit, what are you, what are you stirring in me? What are you speaking? That we're, we're sensitive to what the Lord is doing. So, you know, there's part of me that's like, well, then do we, do I box it in with, with questions? But I was, I was, I was actually affirmed by Someone last week at Gateway, someone who I deeply respect, actually. I don't know him all that well, uh, but I deeply respect. He's been a leader for a long time. He said after to me, he says, he says, thank you for your questions. He said, stuff needs to be practical. And so I, I'm, I'm sort of, that's my tension. I, I want to, I wanna, this stuff has to be practical for us, right? So here's, here's five questions. Do I struggle or fear, feel offended with specific parts of what Jesus said here? I do. So what will I do with this? Will I dialogue with God about this? Will you go and will you dialogue with God about the things that this morning are like, that doesn't really sit with me that well. 
Two, where, where can I embrace Jesus' call to go and proclaim his message? Where can, you, where can you live this out? Three, how is my witness to others doing? Oh, man. How's my witness? Four, is Jesus worth it? That, that's a question to put, like, like to wrestle with. Is, is Jesus worth it? The last question is, do I need more of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in my life? Will I ask for more? All right, Jen, why don't you, why don't you come up and let's, thank you for, thank you guys for being so, uh, for not falling asleep. Uh, let's, let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you, you spoke the truth with such clarity and such conviction. And Jesus, we know that all life is found in you. Father, we know that you desire that people would come to know you and to know the the fullness and the completeness that is found in you. And so, Jesus, would you help us where we're struggling with that? Would you help us where we're struggling to tell others about that, Lord? And there's just all those things that we feel, the, where we feel like we, we don't know what to say or we, don't, we feel powerless or we feel awkward or we feel uncomfortable, Lord. All the, all the stuff that we, we battle with. Jesus, help us to be faithful to the mission as your witnesses. And Holy Spirit, would you help us? Help us. We so desperately need more of your spirit to be with us. Jesus, we thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for the ways that you're moving in our lives. We thank you for the ways that you are, are doing tremendous things in us. And we, we pray for more. In Jesus' name.